After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go. We are kicking. Watch the blue. There we go. Yeah, baby. Hey, you got the power play. Get out of here. Hey. 36, right here for the rock. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Hey, hey. We're not doing this. I don't want to babysit all night. A little bit of nastiness today. Huh? Nothing good's coming out of this, big man. Have you seen this before? Yes, it's rule something, point something. He's not putting a stick in here. You keep your stick out of him. Here we go. Let's roll, boys. Let's go. Hey, 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 hey. Let's go. After further review, it's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith. When you're ready, big guy. All right, guys, let's drop the puck. Only hours away from Christmas, the NHL Christmas break, the trade freeze is always in effect, uh, festivist celebrations are taking place. Understand, Josh, that you're not going to have grievances, but you are going to have a Santa Josh Smith naughty and nice list for us. I, I think there's a few deserving candidates on either side of that ledger, absolutely. Excellent. Okay, you know it's the festive season, and and we don't want you to miss out on any of the fun, so while you can, make sure you're catching the Christmas movies like this one, a group of hockey players headed to a holiday hockey tournament when a winter storm forces them to halt their travel. With no place to stay on Christmas Eve, the team is welcomed into the home of a widow just outside of town. Once the players are settled in, the widower head coach and the team's savior learn to love again. Ashley Williams and Cameron Matheson star in Snowed In for Christmas, and I spelled in with two N's. Oh, lovely. Wow, you're, you're even getting into the branding and the, the nice <laughs> wordplay in there. Todd, you've got this Hallmark thing wrapped up. I, I know we've got a potential gig uh, after... <laughs> <laughs> we got to work on scripts. If you're looking for it, I think I think we got we have a future in Hallmark hockey. All right. This is, of course, the Scouting the Refs podcast. Please make sure you're following the social channels. Do you get Josh? It's at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and on Instagram. For me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports on both Twitter and Instagram. On this week's program, Hurdle gets two. No whistle, but the goal counts. Kale says nothing to see here. Linesman Dan Kelly is a beast. And as we mentioned. Santa Smith has his naughty and nice list. Does that cover it? That's, that's a pretty wide-ranging list of topics, I think. I, I think we, we can already see a little bit of naughty and a little bit of nice leading into the holiday season here. Yeah, true enough. Okay, let's start with the game and incident or incidents that probably got the most attention this past week. It was the game between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. A couple of times, players got a little slap happy in one particular incident. It was Mikhail Sergachev and Michael Bunting who exchanged holiday greetings, shall we say. Sergachev waxed Bunting with a nasty slash. The Department of Player Safety fined Sergachev $5,000 for the offense. Stop here for a second. Was this uh, worthy of the big fine, the maximum allowable fine? Yeah, I, I think it was. I, it, this is one of those that's certainly not suspendable, but one of the plays that player safety doesn't want to see in the game. And I'm okay with finding the heck out of these every time you've got a guy taking a two-handed whack across. If you, if you think it's dangerous, I mean, it probably didn't 
look like it was much worse than some of the plays that we've seen gone without supplemental discipline and, and potentially some plays that have gone without being penalized altogether. But I'm OK with it. I, I think if they can catch these and uh, certainly player safety can, let's let's take the two handed wax. Let's take the potentials for injuries and keep finding these guys. And yes, it's a drop in the bucket for Sergachev, five thousand dollars. He's, he's not going to lose sleep over it. I mean, that's uh, barely enough to fill the tip of his Christmas stocking there with everything <laughs> else he's got going on. So I don't think it's a big one, but I, I think it's. It's what player safety can do to acknowledge that you guys need to cut this out. And uh, yeah, fine them for this one. I, I think that's all it deserved. Shortly after the uh, hack and whack incident, Michael Bunting of the Maple Leafs was being extricated from another follow-up scrum from another play after the whistle. And linesman Dan Kelly was doing the escorting. As the two arrived at the gate where Bunting was to to leave the playing surface, I'm not sure how to put this, but shall we say that he was kind of hurried along by Dan Kelly in a rather physical manner, kind of gave him a shove. Bunting was really surprised. And of course, because this happened in Toronto, Leafs fans were outraged at what took place. But Honestly, it was kind of funny to watch, and you you had no trouble seeing it if you were on social media because it was it was shared all over the place. Oh yeah, there was no dodging this one, and no shortage of reactions and overreactions to what happened here. We've seen plenty of plays where a linesman has to step in, and and sometimes you have to put your hands on a player to help remove them from the altercation. Sometimes it's a guy that's not listening. Sometimes he's trying to battle you to get back into the altercation. In this case, I don't think Bunting was presenting too much of a physical threat, but he, he was kind of chatting. He was jawing at the official on his way off the ice, and he wasn't leaving as requested to do. So maybe Kelly didn't need to grab him, but certainly wanted to get him off the ice, wanted to get back in case there was anything else happening with his back turned as he was getting one player out of the situation. So something that raised the ire of Leaf fans for sure, just because of the physical contact and Kelly and uh, almost potentially <laughs> knocked him over as he was backwards skating out past the uh, the door there. So a little bit of a scary moment when it looked like he lost his balance for a second. You know, you've got a guy who's a former player. You've got a guy who's used to being in these types of situations on the ice from a player's standpoint and an official standpoint and and maybe a little more aggressive than he had in removing the guy. But I, I don't think, you know, to, to quote a former official that I spoke with, this this wasn't capital murder. No, I, I I would say that was it was far from that. And you, you touched on it. The, just about everybody else on the ice was paired up and grabbing and pushing and shoving and doing the face wash and the like. And and you're right. Uh, Dan Kelly wanted to help the other linesman, Steve Barton, who was working uh, restore order. And I think Kelly just wanted to make sure that Bunting had exited the ice because once you're off. Players aren't going to come back on because if they do, the penalty is very severe for re-entering play and joining an altercation. It is. And equally severe is the penalty for abusive official, which thankfully a bunting restrained himself. He didn't engage the official because it's an automatic three gamer if you're putting your hands on an official to rejoin a conflict or to get away from the official for purposes of entering in an altercation. So it was good that Bunting showed some restraint. I mean, he showed some uh, some language there in responding. I don't know if you can read lips, but <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, hopefully your kids can't. You know, I, I think he was surprised by it. it. I'm, again, glad to see that Bunting restrained himself and didn't uh, go over the line and, and respond to Kelly's actions. But I think some fans forget that 
players and officials are, are in different levels. Just because an official puts his hands on a player doesn't mean that the player can reciprocate or that the player could throw a punch or, or anything like that. I, the officials are out there to try to keep the peace, to keep the players separated, to keep them safe. You know, you know, you don't want bunting getting yeah. taken advantage of or getting jumped by some Tampa players that were out there as well. So it's important. They, they need to restore law and order on the ice. Sometimes yeah, you have to physically get in the way to do it. Not anything that I think was too far, maybe maybe slightly more than needed, but not <laughs> not to the level that uh, we saw blowing up out there. Bunting after the game and Leaf coach Sheldon Keefe pretty much blew it off and said, oh, you know, it's just one of those things that happens out there. And Bunting says, oh, you know, I've got history with everybody. That's what I do is aggravate <laughs> people. So it's not a big deal. And and Dan Kelly had a rather physical career in the American Hockey League before switching to officiating. But fans' reaction and hysterical media reaction were calling for the immediate removal of Dan Kelly. He should never be officiating again. And, well, so if the league, clearly they're not, but if the league had thought, okay, Dan Kelly overstepped the bounds here, what would be the recourse against the official? Well, uh, Kelly's in a, a tough spot from an officiating standpoint. He is part of the NHL officials union, which gives him protection. But he's a minor league official. He's splitting time between the NHL and the AHL as a linesman. So he doesn't have that full-time tenure, so to speak, that, that grants him some additional protections against termination. What would have potentially been the outcome is that we see him benched. We see him sidelined for a few games. Maybe he doesn't work. I can assure you there was certainly some conversations that took place and there was a discussion, whether it was Stephen Walkham or the officiating supervisors, but this is certainly the type of situation. Anytime you have physical altercation with a player or any kind of interaction like that, it's, it's worth a discussion. Now, if they thought a message needed to be sent, maybe you sit him for a couple games. Maybe you work him in the AHL and you keep him out of some NHL games for a little while. Neither of those happened. He, he did work a game, so he's already continuing his officiating rotation there, but when you're a full-time NHL referee or linesman, you do have some additional protections or, or criteria that would keep you from termination at the end of the year where there are certain circumstances. You have to maybe not worked a playoff game for the preceding two seasons or your physical conditioning has to be substandard. And it depends on what your scoring is at mid-year when mid-year evaluations take place. And certainly this will be going on Kelly's mid-year evaluation will certainly affect whatever his ranking or scoring is at mid-year. But... Since he's not a full-timer, there is the potential that he could be released at the end of the season. So I don't know if this is sufficient for the NHL. I mean, based on the fact that he's still in the officiating rotation, he's still working games already. I don't think it it looks like they're going to take that type of action, but it, it would be possible for them to sever ties with Kelly at the end of the season. So it's still on the table. And, uh, you know, hopefully this is a, an isolated incident and there's nothing further and he can continue his career in stripes. I, I hope they keep him around just for entertainment purposes. And there, I mean, there was no Department of Player Safety hearing for this or anything crazy like that. I mean, it was, oh, it's such an overreaction. It is. And I know fans want officials to be held accountable. And part of the criticism was, well, you know, they're not accountable for any of their actions and they can do whatever they want out there. They can't. <laughs> you know, there, there are they have bosses and their bosses have bosses. And the NHL is concerned about the appearance of what goes on on the ice and even off the ice with their officials. You know, we've seen officials suspended for having a drink with a reporter in the city, not even yeah. a, a, a game night, but to, to have a drink out there. So I know they're very aware of the perception. And it, it's it's one of those things where part of the perception is that 
any discipline, any fines, anything like that happens behind the scenes. It's been almost 30 years since we saw an NHL official fined publicly, which was Andy Van Helleman back in 94, 95. Yeah. There are certainly actions that are taken against officials. Making them public isn't going to help. Just because you can't <laughs> see that they're accountable doesn't mean these officials aren't held accountable. If you're at work, you know, your boss isn't telling every customer that's out there, every person you interact with when you've been disciplined for something or when there's been an issue. The, you'd have coaches second guessing. Why did you give us this guy? You you disciplined him for something earlier this season or how come you're giving us these lower quality refs and not these other guys? So I understand why the NHL needs to leave all of that private. It's it's not going to help anyone if they make it public, but be assured that there is absolutely accountability that happens behind the scenes. And, and the biggest and the most visible one we'll see is who's working the postseason. Now, with, with Kelly's status as an AHL-NHL guy, I'm not expecting to see him working the NHL playoffs anyway, but you know that's usually the biggest red flag of the guys who are left off the playoff roster. All right. I think we've, we've overreacted enough to this particular incident. <laughs> so how about something simple like a suspension? You oh, know, those, are, those about, are easy. Yeah, exactly. San Jose and Calgary, the Sharks uh, forward Tomas Hurdle and Elias Lindholm engage in a face-off in the third period. They take a couple of shots at each other and Hurdle gives Lindholm a little whack on the side of the head with his stick. The Sharks forward got a minor for high sticking and earned a two-game suspension from player safety. So we've seen one game suspensions for high stick. We've seen three game suspensions for high sticks. How come this one comes in at two games? Boy, these have really been minutia when it comes to figuring out, you know, where does this fall on the spectrum? Is this one of those two gamers or is this one like the Kuznetsov one that I thought was a, a little more aggressive or is it one where it's careless to me, this is an intentional swing. It, it doesn't hit the the Jeff Skinner, Jake Gensel cross check to the face, which was three games. But uh, you know, it's it's retaliation for a back and forth with a, a cross check from Lindholm, and then Hurdle swings his stick and catches Lindholm up high. This was a reactionary play. I actually thought it was going to get a one game. I, I didn't think we would see two because it it looked like two guys going at it with each other. And it was retaliation for a previous action and one that was not necessarily an intent to injure, but more of a reaction of like, a you know, hey, cut that out. And I'm just his stick was already up from how they were positioned off the face off. So he swings it back and catches him. I looked at the uh, the Pierre Engvall Sean Dursey play and figured that was probably more on the careless than intent, but there was still some intent there. So I was between one and two. I thought this would fall on the side of one. A little surprised to see two games, but uh, you know, you, you got to send a message. And I think it's compounding. We've had you know, this is our sixth high sticking suspension so far this year. So I think there's a there's definitely a trend here, and I wouldn't be surprised if player safety does tighten things up a little bit and, and try to lean a little bit more heavily on on where we're at. So to use a line from the player safety videos, as the video shows, Lindholm got off without anything. And in the league explanation video for the suspension, here's the quote, with Lindholm delivering multiple cross checks to Hurtle's arm. I'm a little curious why there was no penalty called on Lindholm on this play. Oh, well, see, now you're now you're crossing borders there. We've got a... <laughs> We've we're, we're clearly outside of player safety's realm there, and, and I think there absolutely could have been. I mean, yeah. Lindholm, you let him get away with one, you let him get away with maybe the second one, but he's got a few solid ones there. You've got referee Jake Brank right in front of it. I mean, he dropped the puck on the faceoff. He's he's looking at the action that's going on. So I was a little surprised. I 
could have clearly seen a penalty for it. Certainly didn't rise to the level of supplemental discipline, which is why player safety can't touch Lindholm on this one. But Hurdle's actions, they felt, did uh, enough so to get him two. All right. Uh, let's look at the Panthers and Bruins game from this week. Florida looked to have scored the first goal of the game on Linus Olmark. Shot towards the goal. See the puck cross the line completely. However, this occurred after Olmark had covered the puck and was run into by defenseman Hampus Lindholm, which caused the puck to dislodge and enter the net. No whistle was blown on the play. However, the goal was disallowed because the referee was planning to blow the whistle. Am I correct here, Josh? <laughs> yes. Boy, when you put it that way, it, it, it sounds a little rough. But yes, this was one of those plays where we have the dreaded intent to blow rule, which is covered in Rule 31.2 and 78.5. The NHL acknowledges that there is a human factor involved in blowing the whistle to stop play and that sometimes the official deems play to be stopped even before the whistle sounds. And this situation, Allmark had the puck covered. It looked like he had it controlled. It was against his body. It, there was not a loose puck here. So the referee was going to blow the whistle. Didn't get there before the collision took place and the puck went in. I don't think this one's controversial at all, Todd. I think this is probably a good example of how intent to blow is used properly and in a, a way that's pretty clear. Allmark had the puck. The ref's blowing the play dead and this collision subsequently knocks the puck into the net. So to me, no big deal here. This is how the rule was intended to work and how it was written. I, I agree. It's just, it's a bang, bang play. It all occurs very quickly and there's no time for the referee to make the motion to get the whistle into his face and and blow the whistle. I understand that, but I'll, I'll make a small editorial comment here and you can deal with it as you see fit. But it seems that with this rule and how the play came together, the league won't judge intent when it comes to players' actions, but the refs know their intention. Oh, correct? the rule book has plenty of references of intent, <laughs> intent to injure and all those things. So yeah, it, intent is unfortunately a big part of it, but the league leaves the intent call up to the officials. So like many of those situations, it's up to the on-ice official to try to determine whether the player was intending to injure an opponent. And in this case, it was the ref's intent to blow, which makes it interesting because it's not one of those plays, and I know some fans were challenging this part as well, you can't you can't issue a coach's challenge. You know, the Bruins or the Panthers here can't challenge the play and say, well, wait a second, the the, the puck should have gone in or when did it cross the line or what happened? It, intent to blow is one of those things that's entirely a judgment call on the officials. And if the situation room wants to take a look at it and they confer with the officials as they do and the ref says, I intended to blow the play dead, that kills it. That's The review yeah. is over. There's nothing else that happens there because he intended to blow the play dead. So this is one of those where you can't challenge it. And I get why you can't because if he deemed the play stopped, then anything that happened after that is done. But you know, maybe that human error. I, I I always wonder if there's a better way. You know, can we get it faster? Can we give yeah. them a little a little thumb button whistle to immediately sound that? Just speed things up a little bit and have fewer intent to blow situations. You'll always have them, but hopefully they're they're as straightforward and clear cut as this one is. Another one that was not seen very often. It has actually kind of happened a few times this year. Devils forward Eric Halla got caught in a game against the Flyers while killing a penalty. The Devils forward was trying to help his teammate, Jonas Siegenthaler, who'd broken his stick blocking a shot. Halla tossed his stick to his defenseman. No, 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 no. Can't do that. Can't toss a stick to a teammate. Chris Schlenker caught it promptly. Devils now down two men. What is the official ruling about throwing your stick to a teammate, Josh? No, like you said, you, you can't do it. You can only get a replacement stick being handed to you from the bench 
or a teammate on the ice, or you can go and pick up a stick of a teammate, but you can't throw it in the air. And that's clearly a penalty. And it's one that Halla, I think maybe in the the, the, the moment there, it, it escaped his mind because mo- moments after, as soon as he heard the whistle, you saw him, his shoulders dropped, his head went up and you knew he was caught. You knew he realized, oh no, I can't do that. A player shall not throw a stick or any other object in any zone, says rule 53. And that's what got him a minor penalty. So he went from trying to help out his team shorthanded to putting his team down two men, which is Not ideal as a penalty killer. No, definitely. Okay, we're going to wrap up with this game situation. This one's sort of the warm and fuzzy spirit of the holidays. Colorado Avalanche, New York Islanders. Kale McCarr wheeling with the puck behind his own net. In hot pursuit is Matt Barzell of the Islanders. And Barzell kind of reaches forward with his stick, but doesn't make significant contact with the Avalanche defenseman. And McCarr goes down on the play reflexively i think the referee's arm went up but after the play is whistled down Makar waves it off explains to the official that no offense had been committed and through a festivus miracle no penalty was issued to barzal <laughs> on the play i think this is wonderful so immediately Makar is the winner of the lady bing trophy this year right i think any penalties he takes have been negated by <laughs> what he did on this play because there is no way to have any greater amount of sh- Sportsmanship, short of, I don't know, somehow giving a goal back to your opponent. But in this situation, man, he he goes right to the top of the Lady Bing voting. I mean, it was such a such an honest position, and I think one that, in retrospect, he realized <laughs> that maybe not the best one for himself, his team, or his teammates. Who I know he said he apologized to his teammates after the game. He just was being honest with the officials and calling it that he fell down. And I I think most players. Matt Barzell included, would just kind of let that bad call happen. You know, you win some, you lose some. Maybe you get the benefit of a, a missed call in this situation. But Makar bailing out referee Brandon Blandina, who was positioned on the other side of the goal frame. So I think he had a partially obstructed view here and gave Makar the benefit of the doubt on his edge work and figured that guy's not going down without a trip. Well, yep. he did, and he was he was quite honest about it. So very surprising. Good for him. Good for Makar to build up his reputation for the officials there, showing that you know he's not a guy who's going to try to pull one past you. I think, as his coach put it, he's going to play an honest game and he wants to beat you fair. Exactly right. I think he will earn back in equity what he surrendered to his. I, I don't know this apolo- having to apologize to, to teammates <laughs> and fans. That seems pretty extreme. Uh, it's like you know what? I'm honest. You'll get the benefit of the doubt. I think going forward uh, a lot more from that. Well, the good news is the hockey god smiled on him. Right? Colorado still won the game. <laughs> there so you go. At least he had that going. Yes. See, his heart was pure. Now let's get to uh, Santa Smith's uh, holiday naughty and nice list. You had a a couple things that you wanted to mention just as we wrap up this holiday festive edition of the Scouting the Refs podcast. Well, we had had a few. Uh, Clearly, leading the nice list is Kale McCarr because uh, there's there's no one more deserving. I mean... You can't hate the guy. It's hard to root against him, even as a fan of opposing teams. The guy plays such a good game and obviously an honest and clean one. So uh, right at the top has to be Kale McCarr for that play. I I second that emotion. It's it's perfect. That's that's I don't know how you do better than that. On the flip side, I think that looking at the naughty list, I'm I'm giving uh, lumps of coal both to Bunting and Dan Kelly for their (laughs) contributions to that play in general. I I think they, they can both. They can do better. They can both do better out there. And I think Santa is watching and he's he's not going to be pleased with, well, he's not going to please with them. And he's he's not 
going to be pleased with the 87 players this calendar year that were suspended or fined by the NHL's Department of Player Safety with uh, Brad Marchand six games and Evgeny Malkin's four games leading the way. 30 suspensions, 57 fines. Everybody's getting coal. I know these are multimillionaires. They're not going to be crying too much as they pull into their multi-million dollar houses in their Maserati and see a lump of coal in their stocking. But uh, 87 guys getting some coal from Santa on that side of the naughty list. And those on the naughty list have a few days off to go home and think about what they've done. <laughs> and I'll, I'll give one more one more nice list and uh, appreciation for the coaching staffs across the National Hockey League. Their coaches' challenges. These guys are helping the officials get the rules right. The NHL's given them the structure to do it, and they're good at it. 90% of offside challenges have been overturned, so... Kudos to the NHL head coaches and their video teams that are reviewing these plays and getting these calls right. The NHL has had that the challenge program in place and made some tweaks to it over the years. And goaltender interference and stoppages might still be a 50-50. But when it comes to offside, I, I have to give credit to the benches for helping the on-ice officials get the right call made at the end of the day. So uh, so good for them. And, and thanks for your support, guys. So video review, just like Santa, <laughs> they know if you've been naughty or nice. And if you ever forget, and I don't know if you heard this clip, Todd, referee Garrett Rank issued a lovely reminder to everyone about how you should act around the holiday season right before uh, <laughs> handing out a penalty to Clayton <laughs> Keller. Did you, did you catch this one? Yes. Careful what you say, Santa's listening. <laughs> Arizona number nine, minor penalty, two minutes, cross check. <laughs> Garrett Rank, good for you, Garrett. With the line of the night. Careful what you say, Santa is listening, said Rank, knowing he had a hot mic. So, uh, you know, nice to have the officials reminding the players as well. Good advice for everyone. You're good, my book. Good stuff, man. Way to work. Yeah, we're good, man. Too long. Let's go sit for a couple. Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Scouting the Refs. Email the show at heyref at scoutingtherefs.com. Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. Okay. That's, that's good one.